Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. I'm Kyle Krabs. And I'm Joe Marino, and you're listening to the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 180! 180! Hot Welcome, everybody, to October's first edition of Locked on NFL Draft, coming off of week five of the college football season. I am your co-host, Kyle Krabs. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with myself, I am uh, the director of scouting at NDT Scouting, the lead draft analyst at today's Pigskin, and again, your co-host for Locked on NFL Draft. I am joined today, as always, by my co-host, Joe Marino. Joe? Welcome back, man. It's good to be back. I cannot believe it's October. Like, you just hit me with that, and, like, it's all I can think about is that 2016's, like, over. Oh, whoa. Let's slow down a little bit. It's not over. Wow. We're uh, getting towards the end. Yeah, well, I mean, we're creeping in on the end of the year, yes. We're almost at the point where we can start talking about holiday trees and, Ugh. yeah, I know, Black Friday it's all here, man. It's all coming. I, and I'm in mid-season form watching football, man. I feel like I'm hitting my stride. You know, I'm working working the remote well. I've got the two TVs going. Uh, you know, I'm getting a feel for this thing. If these games just weren't always four hours, you know, I'd, I'd be able to take my game to the next level. Well, yeah, just just buckle down because winter is coming. Yeah, and I'll be, I'll be planted in front of the TV, man. This has been a fun start to the season, and I know that you're pounding the table that this is the best week of the season so far that we're going to reflect upon today. Dude, I'm insulted that people – this past week of college football was the most thrilling, entertaining week of college football I can remember in a long time. And I had people telling me week one, week two, week three had more going on, was, the, was more exciting, and – no, there's no way. You this, know, we, this is not possible. I think the reason people think week one was better is because, like, all the games, since there was no NFL to compete with, all the games were, like, their own thing, and everybody saw them, and there were so many, like, spread out. But, man, it, it was that, that 3.30 to, what, 11.30 yesterday was about as good as I can remember. And I, I saw I saw your uh, your Muppets uh, gif there. You know, you tweeted out T-Lizard. I, I saw that. I did. I let a little bit of Kermit out. And, um, you know, it's, I said it was the single best day. So your argument for week one is that everything was spread out. I said, this was the single best day of college football in a long time. It it was outstanding. And and today we are going to get into some of the standouts from the weekend that was. 
Cal, why don't you get us started with uh, somebody who stood out? Yeah, I got to throw a little bit of love to UNC quarterback Mitch Trebinsky. If we're going to talk about guys right off the bat that really deserve a lot of love, uh, Trebinsky was outstanding against Florida State. Very composed in the pocket. Uh, did a nice job feeding his receivers. And he seems to be building a little bit of chemistry with one of my guys, but we're going to touch on that in, in a little bit. I've got a feeling. Um, you know, Trebinsky was a little underwhelming to start the year against Georgia. Uh, one plus was he did not turn the ball over. He still has not turned the ball over through five games. Has 175 pass attempts and no interceptions. Uh, he is completing 76% of his passes, and he is not dinking and dunking and screen passing and smoke throw and, and bubble screening his way to 76%. Um, he is throwing the fall, the ball, you know, against with, with NFL route concepts. And he just looks like he is in complete control of the offense. He has been an absolute joy, uh, to, to process in Florida state. And I'm really excited to watch him throughout the year as he is a draft eligible prospect. You know, I, I'm going to go off the grid here a little, Kyle, and I want to ask you a question about UNC and their offense and see where you are. Uh, I got a, I took a deep dive into a couple of their games earlier this season, and, and one of the things that I came away with was TJ Logan's a little bit underrated as a yes. prospect, yes, and I thought is. that Elijah Hood is, is not the player that we saw last year. You you seeing the same thing? Yeah, I, it feels like Hood's uh, missing a little bit of, a, of his second gear, I think, versus what I saw yeah. last year. Um, certainly running the ball very physical. Uh, I don't remember what the stat was, but uh, of his yards per carry, I think he's getting like 80% of it after contact or something like that. So uh, he's he's not getting a lot of help up front. Uh, he's getting hit early in his runs frequently. He's doing a nice job grinding out tough yards. Uh, but when he's given space, I, I think Logan has easily, this, so far this year, been the better back of the two. Yep. Uh when when you give him a crease, Logan's got burst. He's got quick cuts. He's got quick feet. He's decisive when he's running the ball. So I I've I actually had to double check and say, okay, you know, all we heard about was Hood. What's what's the the draft status of of Logan? And he's a draft eligible guy. So uh, two guys there technically uh, that that I haven't been paying a ton of close attention to that I I have to start. Their play is making me move them up on the list and prioritize them going forward. Yeah, it's like TJ Logan um, in a lot of ways reminds me of Kenyon Drake coming out of Alabama yeah. last year. You know, not everything from, you know, having the big name running back with him, like, you know, last year with Derrick Henry uh, to being that complimentary piece that can catch the football, return as a, you know, contribute as a returner. Same type of feel as a prospect of where, you know, I think he's going to have a really good postseason senior bowl. You know, I, I can see that similar type, type ascension here from TJ Logan. Um, let's just keep talking North Carolina offense here. And, and one player that I want to mention that had a good game this past week against Florida State and really the, the prior week where uh, is Ryan Switzer, the, yes. the, future, the future New England Patriot. No. Uh, 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 <laughs> Ryan Switzer. <laughs> I mean, look at the, this guy's production over the last two games is just unbelievable. Uh, 16 catches for 208 yards and a touchdown uh, last week, and then uh, just more recently against Florida State, 14 for 158 yards. I mean, that's 30 receptions for 366 yards over the last two games. I mean, geez, that that's that's unbelievable. I, I mean, uh, this this guy is is what he's able to do from the slot and run run quick routes and and get 
that quick separation and, and you know, he's not like he's not gonna be a blazer. He's not gonna run a big time forty yard dash, but he's quicker than fast and he knows how to run routes and you know, he's just gonna be the, one of those guys that are just gonna be pesky as hell in the slot. And he's had a good at two weeks as as I've seen from a receiver and, and you know, certainly he's got the punt returning upside that's uh you know, again he adds value with that as well. So, you know, Ryan Switzer's gonna be a useful, useful player in the NFL uh next year. Yeah, I, I need to have everyone, you know, take a quick timeout real quick and and go to rotoworld.com and go to Ryan Switzer's player page. And um one of the headlines from June 11th is Ryan Switzer waiting to strike from the shadows. And furthermore, uh the blurb that goes along with that is NDT Scouting's Kyle Krabs called UNC senior wide receiver Ryan Switzer a quote sleeping giant in productivity. Joe, would you classify 30 catches in 2 weeks? Uh, productive. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty outstanding. I mean, yeah, yeah, you, you nailed that one. I mean, Called we're talking. Shot. You did. Beep it a beep. That's you. Uh, that was good, Lord. That's going to be one we're going to talk. <laughs> 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 that was me too. I was I was trying to toot your own horn there, and I'm telling you, I fumbled on that horn sound. So hey, <laughs> beep it a beep. <laughs> Are you the road runner? Oh man, that <laughs> meet me. That was- that was bad, and we've got it. We've got it recorded. We have a sound clip, and I'm not going to edit this one out. No, I'm sorry. No, keep it, Kyle. Yep. Keep it. I deserve it. But <laughs> hell, hell of a job calling that one early, and uh, that production's been monster. I mean, he's he's setting himself up to really uh, to dominate. You know, the ACC as the season continues ahead. He's been outstanding. Uh, somebody else who has been outstanding so far this year is. Um, Mississippi tight end slash big wide receiver, whatever you want to call him, Evan Ingram. Um, Every week, Evan Ingram. It's it, it, You want to talk about productive. <laughs> uh, he's got four touchdown catches, one in uh, four or five games so far this year. He has at least 130-plus yard reception every game. Uh, and, and I think the lowest receiving output that he's put together so far this year was like 60 yards. You know, he's had two games over 100 yards, uh, had four receptions this week for 82 yards, another another game in the 80s, I believe. So it, it just consistent production. Seems like he's finally got on the same page with Chad Kelly as far as being somebody that's a priority in the offense. You know, everybody, I know we've kind of chatted about him a little bit, but, you know, again this week, he's continuing to show that knack for getting open, that, that smooth movement in the open field paired with that big body that is really a special combination and makes him so dangerous in the middle of the field, whether he he's running out in breaking routes or if he's carrying a route up the seam into the deeper portions behind the second level. So uh, certainly somebody that I think we need to give some, some attention to and give a little bit of love to because, you know, week in and week out, he has just been an absolute beast all year. Kyle, let's turn our attention to the defensive side of the ball, and let's talk Jared Davis, linebacker from Florida. He had a monster game in the Gators' road win against Vanderbilt. They didn't win that game in convincing fashion, as a lot of times we see uh, you know, Vanderbilt when they face SEC opponents. Florida has a ton of injuries right now, and actually on their defense, six defensive linemen either missed the game or or missed time in the game due to injury. And, you know, Jared Davis rises to the occasion. Uh, on the game, he had 15 tackles, and he also had three pass breakups. And, uh, uh, you know, one the last pass breakup that he had was on the uh, the last drive of the game where 
Vanderbilt's going to try and score the go-ahead touchdown, and, and Jared Davis has perfect coverage in the middle of the field, plays the football, tips in the air, and, and you know the interception's secured for you know to seal the victory for Florida. And you know in this year we talk about all these really outstanding off-ball linebackers, and Jared Davis is just a name that's uh, pushing to be picked towards the top of that list. So hell of a game for Gerard Davis, the senior linebacker from Florida. He's a guy that I know that you liked a ton, uh, you know, during our su- our summer work studying that Florida defense, and you know he's uh, he put it all together with a very complete performance against Vanderbilt. Yeah, you know he he's he really struck me as a complete package from a size, football processing. Uh, athleticism standpoint, he's got everything you're looking for in each area. Um, I do remember watching some of the Tennessee game uh, the week prior. Uh, I was a little disappointed in some of the reads that he was making and that uh, seemed to be a little slow, taking a couple false steps. And, you know, with Tennessee having that legitimate threat uh, running with the quarterback as well as the dive back, uh, you can understand that that briefs pause and, and honoring you know, the the potential to run around the backside. So it's great to hear that he was back to him old self in in terms of being decisive and fast to flow. And, you know, obviously 11 tackles is a byproduct of that. And seeing him make an impact in space too, which is something I think he can do more of and be very successful at because his athletic skill set and his hips are, are able to move fluidly and cleanly and, uh, definitely one of my guys. I, I definitely think he is a name to watch as far as a potential first-round NFL draft prospect going forward. And, and since we're on the defensive side of the ball, um, I want to give a little bit of love to T.J. Watt from the Wisconsin Badgers. Do we know anybody else in that family? Like I feel like that name sounds familiar. Yeah, Watt. maybe maybe, maybe there's a guy that's a three-time defensive player of the year, but uh, I could be mistaken. Yeah, I, I, no, he is the brother <laughs> of J.J. Watt, Wisconsin Badger. Uh, the the family lineage is running strong uh, against Michigan. He tallied eleven tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, and this is following up a, a performance the week prior against Michigan State, and in which he had three tackle, three and a half tackles for loss. I'm sorry two-and-a-half sacks, and another six tackles. So back-to-back weeks now for T.J. Watt. He has been very disruptive, very productive, and uh, was a little disappointed because I know we really build this game as an opportunity for Vince Beagle uh, on Friday, and you know we learned shortly before that we published this on Friday that Vince Beagle has a foot injury and will miss several weeks with surgery to repair that injury to his foot. Uh, So we would like to wish Vince the absolute best in getting healthy and getting back on the field so we can continue to see him be successful. Um, But T.J. Watt has certainly kind of stepped up to fill the void and did it again against Michigan, just being an absolute force, setting the edge, uh, very physical. He's got good length. I really like his athletic build at 6'5", 245, looks like an outside linebacker in a 3-4. Very disruptive. Again, he's got... Five and a half sacks and seven and a half tackles for loss on a year. Most of that coming in the last two weeks. I liked how physical he was at the point of attack. Even when he was rushing, uh, he was very physical attacking half a man and 
letting his power in his body kind of reset the line of scrimmage and get his opponent moving backwards, in which case he would then disengage and flow to the ball. So uh, I thought he showed very well and and showing well in two straight weeks. I think he's somebody that deserves a little bit of recognition here on the podcast as well. For sure. And and let's stay with the theme of guys that have had two good weeks in a row. And that uh, another one of those for me is the USC running back, Justin Davis, a senior, another guy that you were high on going yes. into the season, Kyle. And, yes. uh, uh, you know, he's had two damn good weeks in a row. Uh, last week against Utah, 10 carries, 126 yards and a touchdown. And then uh, Saturday night against Arizona State, 14 ca- uh, reception, excuse me, 14 rushes, 123 yards and another touchdown. So his two-week total here is 24 for 249 and two touchdowns. That's uh, I'm no math guy, but I think that's 10 yards a carry. And he's really kind of been uh, bottled up early in the season. He had a really bad showing against Alabama, and then he had a couple of okay showings uh, against Stanford and Utah be, State. But To be fair, everyone in USC had a bad show <laughs> against Alabama. That, yeah, well – you know, Justin Davis, you talk about a perfect number two running back, a guy that just has lightning quick feet, makes great cuts. He finds daylight. His burst upfield is exceptional. You know, he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. And, uh, you know, he's he's – He's really hitting the hole hard. He's hitting it with bursts, and he's seeing it. He's reading the defense and feeling it and seeing it well the last couple weeks. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that um, I think has the ability to be a really nice third down back, really nice backup, uh, number two running back in the NFL. And and he's showing us why the last couple weeks. And, um, you know, it's it's something that he's a guy that um, I want to see a little bit more physicality this year from him. I saw that the last two weeks. So, really turning the corner here after a slow start for Justin Davis, a running back from Southern Cal. If we want to stick with running backs that had a nice week, I got one for you. Now, this guy did not average 10 yards a carry. I'm going to disclaimer that right now. But he did have 30 carries for 286 yards and five touchdowns this past weekend. And that's Jamal Williams, the running back from BYU. Williams took off 2015 for what was dubbed as personal reasons. It was speculated it may have been a violation of team policy. He had been suspended once prior. Um, Playing at BYU, obviously the the standard there is a little bit different. Um, But this is this 30 for 286 and five touchdowns is the week after he went 24 for 169 and two touchdowns against West Virginia. He also opened the season against Arizona with 29 for 162. So he's had a couple of very productive games. Granted, this explosion was against Toledo, but BYU scored 55 points and got away with a 55-53 to victory. Williams at 6'1", 220, somewhere in that ballpark, uh, is really, really likable from a physical runner standpoint. He kind of reminds me of a more compact... Um, more explosive version of James Wilder Jr. who came out from Florida State a couple years ago. He has that same upright running style, very physical, likes to attack defenders in the open field, not necessarily somebody to shy away from contact. But then there is the downside there as well, where because he has this upright running style, he doesn't generate a lot of power from the upper body. He's not a pile mover. He doesn't churn the feet effectively. But he's pleasantly creative in open space. No, because he's willing to go through you, a lot of times he puts defenders on their heels in the open field, and then he will make a hard cut and just blow by you. He does have a little bit of a second gear. Um, So he's somebody, he's up to uh, 109 rushes for 703 yards on the year 
for his career, he just went over 600 total carries for 3,229 yards. So he's been productive. His most productive year was back in 2013. Obviously, with running backs, you have to be a a bit concerned with uh, the mileage that they have and his age. And he is up there a little bit. His first year in BYU was 2012. Uh, But he still has it. You know, he's, he's very, very pleasant as far as not necessarily a name that's very high on radars, but the running style that he has um, allows him to create yardage on his own. You give him a crease, he will make somebody miss on the second level. So he's somebody that hasn't been given a whole lot of attention. Uh, he didn't score seven touchdowns like uh, the gentleman from Arizona State did a couple weeks ago, uh, Ballage, but he is producing. He is looking very comfortable in the open field. He's running with confidence right now, and he's a name to watch as we go throughout the rest of the college football season. Kyle, let's kick it back to defense, Um, and I'm excited to start talking about this guy more and more as the season goes on. He had three slow weeks in a row, and we actually highlighted him as a disappointment. Uh, but he's turning the corner. Derek Barnett, defensive end, Tennessee. Um, you know, he was sackless in his first three games, and then he just put back-to-back multi-sack games against Florida and Georgia. Uh, and we all know Georgia's uh, the Tennessee win over Georgia was unbelievable. And, and you know, and the comeback against Florida. And I, I can attribute a lot of that success that Tennessee's had in the second half of these last two games where they came from behind and won to what Derek Barnett's been able to do uh, coming off the edge. Um, you know, he's, he's not a guy that is going to wow you with his twitch. You know, he's more of a power rusher, good hand technique, uses his length, takes good rush angles. But what he's shown me the last couple weeks, and particularly against Georgia here, is his ability to, to attack, attack and work half a man burst to the quarterback, but he flattens. He's flattening and turning that corner, and and it's really working for him. And he's actually been able to take over some games here, and, and you know, against uh, against Georgia here, the the play where uh, Corey Vereen picked up the the ball for a touchdown on the goal line was was Derek Barnett, and the big time situations coming through and being the pass rusher, the guy that they need to make a play in in a big situation on a passing down. So, uh, you know, we know he's a good run defender, but you know, I think that he's kind of putting that uh, finding his his. Uh, Finding his way here as a pass rusher, uh, something he's been able to do his first couple of years at Tennessee, but he's he's uh, showing why people talk about him as a potential first-round prospect. And uh, that ability to flatten and get the edge, you know, despite not being a, a superb athlete, is uh, is really nice to see here the last couple of weeks. You know, you can keep trying to kick this over to the defensive side of the ball, but I'm going to keep bringing it back to the offensive side of the ball. Um, one, one more guy that I want to speak about is somebody who has been – performing very well over the past three weeks. Uh, This is somebody with a 50-yard reception in each of the last three weeks, and that is uh, junior wide receiver Shelton Gibson from West Virginia. Uh, Gibson, over the past three weeks, has 13 receptions for 449 yards and two touchdowns. He's averaging over 30 yards a catch over that course of time, and he is smooth. He's not necessarily a straight burner. He's got adequate size at six foot 198, and he can haul. He is very, very effective in the open field with how loose he is in the hips. He's somebody I talked about last week at some point and made the same mention in that this is 
a very natural open field runner. He's capable of establishing space with sharp cuts, head fakes, effective route stems, and I really like what I'm seeing from Gibson. He continues to be a big play threat and was a big factor in West Virginia coming back and beating Kansas State 17-16 this past weekend. So uh, it's uh, another talented crop of receivers, guys like Mike Williams and uh, our others. Corey Davis may get a little bit more attention, but if you're looking a little bit deeper below the surface... Uh, there's a lot of names to like as well, and Shelton Gibson continues to be one of those guys for me. Kyle, I'll stay on the offensive side of the ball here for my last guy that I want to talk about. And, uh, you know, we got this far into this show, we haven't even talked about a player from the Clemson-Louisville game. And uh, I'm going to do that. The uh, Clemson has a lot of weapons on offense. Obviously, Deshaun Watson and Wayne Gallman, and, and they've got Mike Williams and Kane and Renfro at receiver and – uh, the guy that I think is a little bit of an unsung hero on that offense is Jordan Leg at the tight end. He um, he had a slow start to the season in terms of receiving production. Over the first three games of the game, he uh, first three games of the season, he only had one catch for nine yards. But he's a guy that over the last two weeks is turning it on. Uh, against Georgia Tech uh, last week, he had four for thirty-one in a touchdown, and against Louisville, he had three for seventy in a touchdown. And uh, you know the, the touchdown that he scored against Louisville was in a huge uh, part of the game to to take the lead. And and then he also caught the pass on the on the two-point conversion. So he's making big-time plays when his team needs it most. And uh, you know Jordan Leggett, he's he's not gonna wow you with his athleticism, but he's got such a giant frame and he gives such a massive uh you know catch radius to his quarterback and you know he's got tremendous hands some of the softest hands i've seen and and he's got ball skills and 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 so i get really excited about his upside as a pass catcher uh, at the next level and what he's been able to do for clemson and the target that he provides for deshaun watson Uh, and over the last two games seven for 101 and and two touchdowns and and, in keeping in mind that he's part of a of an offense with a ton of talent and and a lot of footballs to be distributed um but you know in a, in a tight end class that's really deep you know we have oj howard and we have jake button we have evan ingram you know we keep talking all these great tight ends well let's not forget about jordan leggett who i think is a, is a really good uh pass catching prospect and and you know i think about just a quarterback that likes to give uh, their their tight ends chances to work the seams and, and just kind of throw it near the guy and see if he can make a play on the football. I think Jordan Leggett has a ton of upside in that area. So uh, he's coming on for Clemson, and uh, they'll need him down the stretch, and it's nice to see him starting to emerge here in his senior season. Kyle, anyone else for us? No, I think uh, I think we've quenched the people's thirst for the night. To be yeah, honest I think, with you. I think we dropped 10 names there, maybe even a bonus with TJ Logan, 11 names. So, um, you know, that's plenty for the, for everyone to digest. And uh, love, love these Monday shows, just kind of looking back and talking about all the great football players that we saw. Um, you know, we thank everyone for listening to the show today. We'd like to remind everyone that we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So uh, make sure that you are uh, finding your favorite NBA or NFL team and subscribing to them via audio boom and itunes we'd love for you to subscribe and uh to the locked on nfl draft podcast um 
We'd be honored if you do so. Uh, we'd also like to remind everyone that we are powered by Draft Breakdown. So all the players that you just heard Kyle and I talk about, you can go to draftbreakdown.com and watch cut-ups of their games. You can focus in on just their reps, you know, watch an entire game worth of reps for these players, you know, anywhere from six to ten minutes long, and, and you can get a, a get your own eyes on these guys and, uh, and and let us know what you think, you know, when, when – Go go watch uh, go watch Ryan Switcher and Justin Davis and, and let us know what you think. You can reach out to Kyle and I on Twitter. Uh, Kyle is at NDT Scouting. I am at the Joe Marino. And uh, until tomorrow, you know we thank you for listening and we look forward to be back being back on the air with you tomorrow uh, to talk more NFL Draft every day. Locked on NFL Draft, your daily podcast on the NFL Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17